grace, mercy, and peace are yours through the triune God. Whether you're listening from far away or next to beautiful Seneca Lake, we hope that through the reading and proclaiming of Scripture, you hear God's wisdom, challenge, and blessing for you today. If you're able to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m., we at Hector Presbyterian Church would love to share Christ's peace with you. Let us listen for the Spirit speaking, for God has more truth and more light to share with us through the living word. Let us pray. Fiercely loving God, with joy we celebrate the life of Jesus, who was dead and now is alive. Enliven our hearts by your Holy Spirit, so that we may proclaim the good news of eternal and abundant life through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. A reading from the prophet Isaiah. On this mountain, the eternal one of heavenly forces will prepare for all people a rich feast, a feast of choice wines, a, of selection foods and rich in flavor, of choice wines, well refined, God will swallow up this mountain, the view that is viewing all peoples, the shroud of all nations. God will swallow up death forever. The eternal God will wipe all tears from every face and will remove the disgrace of God's people. From of all the whole earth, the eternal one has spoken. They will say on that day, look, this is our God for whom we have waited and now has saved us. This is the eternal one for whom we have waited. Let us be glad and rejoice in this salvation. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And now a reading from the Gospel of Mark. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene married the mother of James and Salome. Salome brought spices so they could go and anoint Jesus' dead body. Um, very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they came to the tomb where they were staying to, to each other. Who's going to roll away the stone away from the entrance for us? They looked up. They saw that the stone had been rolled away. It was very large. It was a very large stone. Rolling 
Into the tomb, they saw a young man in a white robe seated on the right side. They were startled. But he said to them, don't be alarmed. You're just looking for Jesus of Nazareth. 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 Who was crucified? Crucified. Crucified. Um, he had been raised. He isn't here. Look it. Look. Here's the place where they laid him. Go tell the disciples, especially Peter, that they are going ahead into Galilee. You are going to see him there, just as he told you. Overcome the terror and dread. The women fled from the tomb. They say nothing to anybody because they were afraid. The word of the Lord. Thanks be Thanks to God. Thanks be to God. What do you say when the unspeakable happens? Terrible news met Robert F. Kennedy when he arrived in Indianapolis for a campaign rally. Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. had died, shot a few hours ago in Memphis, Tennessee. Upon hearing of King's death, Kennedy recoiled as if he had been struck physically. The presidential candidate got into a car with Fred Dutton, a campaign strategist en route to the park where an unsuspecting and excited crowd waited for them. What should I tell them, Fred? Dutton didn't know what to say. Kennedy was staring out the window, absorbed in thought. Finally, Dutton told him, you know what to say, Bobby. Just speak from your heart. And so on April 4th, 1968, 53 years ago today, Robert Kennedy stepped onto the back of a flatbed truck, pulled a few notes from his pocket, and broke the sad news to the thousand or so people who had gathered in a majority black neighborhood to hear him speak. Go and listen to the recording today. Hear the wind buffeting the microphone. Let the painful wave of shock and rage that rippled through the crowds crash against your ears. And keep listening as Kennedy grasps for the right words. Among them, these words. For those of you who are black and are tempted to be filled with hatred and distrust at the injustice of such an act against all white people, 
I can only say that I feel in my own heart the same kind of feeling. I had a member of my family killed. He was killed by a white man. But we have to make an effort in the United States. We have to make an effort to understand, to go beyond these rather difficult times. What we need in the United States is not division. What we need in the United States is not hatred. What we need in the United States is not violence or lawlessness, but love and wisdom, compassion toward one another, and a feeling of justice towards those who still suffer within our country, whether they be white or whether they be black. Kennedy spoke for less than five minutes. There was no official security at the rally. Indianapolis police had cordoned off that part of the city, anticipating a riot. But no riot spilled out of the park that night. On April 4th, and in the days that followed, over 100 cities across the country erupted in outrage and unrest, but not Indianapolis. Kennedy's words made a difference. What do you say when the unspeakable happens? If you're Bobby Kennedy, you quote your favorite poem and hold grief and hope together. If you're Darnella Frazier in Minneapolis, you take out your phone and record a white police officer kneeling on the neck of a black man unable to breathe so that the world might bear witness. If you are Mary of Magdala, Salome, or Mary, James' mother. You rush from the tomb where Jesus' body once lay, and you don't say anything. Not at first, at least. With adrenaline rushing through your veins, your heart pounding in your ears with every step, how could you say anything to anyone? Mark's story ends abruptly, however, before these faithful women slow their pace, catch their breath, and turn to one another in amazement. We don't get to hear their question marks become exclamations. Jesus? Jesus has been raised? Jesus has been raised. He is going ahead of us into Galilee. We don't get to hear the dumbfounded disbelief of the disciples. No, in Mark's gospel, the scene fades to black with those last words 
etched into our brains. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Later generations of Christians were dissatisfied with this sudden halt in the action. And so they set about tying up loose ends. In those versions, Mary Magdalene finds her voice. Jesus, apparently tired of waiting for the disciples in Galilee, appears to them in Jerusalem to confirm the women's testimony. And instead of a final word about fear, the editors added a dash of fearlessness. The risen Christ promises that those who believe in him will pick up snakes with their hands. Please don't try this at home. It is so typical, isn't it, of human beings that we'd rather imagine handling snakes than getting a grip on our own discomfort. Our embarrassment, our shame around fear keeps us from facing reality. And reality is where resurrection happens. Let's be honest. The scared silence that grips the women rushing from the tomb, that's real. That's reality. It is so tempting to judge these women as if they had abandoned their faith but nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, for crying out loud, these loyal friends not only keep their wits about them when they see that the massive stone blocking the entrance has been rolled away, they go inside the tomb. If the women were cast in a Jordan Peele or Alfred Hitchcock movie, this would be the point where I'd talk to the screen, trying to warn them, don't go in, it's a trap, no. It takes faith, courageous faith, to walk inside a tomb that shouldn't be open. Magdalene and James' mother and Salome do not discard their faith not upon hearing the startling message of the resurrection. Instead, the tomb is where faith and fear collide. Where do faith and fear crash up against each other in your life? I remember seeing faith and fear dance in the eyes of Jennifer Garner's character from the film Juno. Vanessa Loring. After five years of trying to conceive, Vanessa and her husband Mark turn to adoption, and into their lives walks pregnant teenager Juna McGuff. While Mark stands aloof and Juno cracks jokes about the pregnancy, Vanessa is radioactive with anxiety. Of 
course she wants a baby so very badly. But at every turn, she second-guesses herself. Am I good enough? Will the baby like me? What shade of yellow should the nursery be? By the time the baby wails into the picture, Mark has left, unable to commit to parenthood. But Vanessa remains, awkwardly bouncing her newborn son in her arms, wondering, am I holding him correctly? Looking up, she sees Juno's stepmother and asks, how do I look? I love the tenderness and kindness of her reply, even if the language is not perfectly polite. How do I look? She says, you look like a new mom, scared shitless. That's faith and fear, hand in hand. It's messy for sure, but it's real. And again, reality is where resurrection happens. In the end, no matter what choice you make, whether you flee in terror like the women or hide away like Peter and the less courageous men, or announce the good news or stick out your neck, no matter what choice you make, God has still raised Jesus Christ from the dead and Jesus is still going ahead of us. And while the consequences of our actions undoubtedly reverberate through history, not a single one of them can change the fact that God has already written the final chapter in our world's story, which takes place at a banquet table on a mountaintop. When God rolled the stone away, nothing could keep Jesus from walking free. We might stay holed up in our shame or self-absorption, but no one among us, no silent disciple, no violent shooter, no Derek Chauvin, will cancel Jesus' plans to host a party of cosmic Portions. If we seek him, we will see him just as he promised. Folks, if there is anything I know about life in this corner of the Finger Lakes, it is that we know how to party. So, this Easter, let us open our hearts to the Spirit who guides us through the messiness of faith and fear and seek after the risen Savior. Just don't be surprised to find Jesus wearing an apron or setting the table 
After all, the guest list is long. And don't be shocked when he hands you a towel for helping him wipe away tears from every eye. After all, there are so many, many tears. Alleluia. With feeling, Alleluia. Praise God, who has swallowed up death beyond a shadow of a doubt into our sometimes grim and often gritty reality. The eternal one has grafted resurrection. New life is already blossoming, the fruit of reckless and astonishing grace. Friends, for such grace, for such grace, let us give all glory and all gratitude to God, the love who gave us birth, the love who goes on ahead, love encircling us on the journey. Amen. <laughs>